Welcome to the podcast of the fabulous Las Vegas Rotary Club. My name is Michael Gordon, and I'm proud to serve as the 95th president of the greatest Rotary Club in the world. Our club serves our local and international community through a variety of projects, but our main focus is on youth literacy. If you're ever in town for either business or pleasure, we invite you to join us at one of our weekly lunches. More information about meeting time and location can be found at lasvegasrotary.com. Now, sit back and enjoy this week's speaker. Good afternoon, everyone. Our speaker today is Josh Stavros. He's with the Utah Shakespeare Festival, and he's the media and public relations manager for the festival. He's an alumni of Southern Utah University, where he now serves as an adjunct instructor. Um, he's been involved in many areas of theater with various organizations. Uh, he won Best of Festival Acting Award uh, from the Kennedy Center American College Theater Festival. He's a founding board member of the Utah Advisory Council of Theater Teachers, and he's directed the Green Shows, which hopefully many of you have seen uh, before the festival plays. Uh, he's also worked with the festival's Shakespeare in Schools touring company that goes all over the western states uh, to high schools with a abbreviated production of one of Shakespeare's plays. They're very popular and uh, very well received. Uh, and he also helps to run the high school Shakespeare competition and the Playmakers program. Um, and I just learned that his four-year-old daughter is acting in Midsummer Night's Dream this year. So let's all go and see it while we're there on August 25th and 26th. Um, interesting fact, he is one of the only uh, people outside of Massachusetts who's a New England Patriots fan. It's great because he's an NFL fan, so I'm in. Um, and he's a Star Wars guy. Sorry, Trekkies. Star Wars. Um, please join me in welcoming Josh Stavros. And I, I appreciate laughter and not groans when she said I was a pa Patriots fan. Uh, but if, feel free to throw things later. It's, it's, it's just fine. I'm used to it. I'm so, it's Star Wars. Is, I, I like Star Trek too. My dad's a Trekkie. Uh, I'm super grateful. Uh, to be here today to visit with you and talk about the thing. Uh, my, I have one of the greatest jobs in the world, which is I get to come to places like this and talk to people like you about the Utah Shakespeare Festival and uh, the wonderful things that we do just a few hours north in Cedar City, Utah. I know, uh, as Ginger mentioned, you have a trip, or a trip is being planned, uh, April 20, August, excuse me, August 26th and 27th. Uh, by raise of hand, is anybody who's planning on attending thus far? Excellent, excellent. For those of you who are on the fence and hopefully will be planning to attend after this, there's a coupon code that you can use, uh, Rotary2017. If you buy your tickets online, it gives you $4 off per ticket for anything that weekend when you come. And I'll mention it again at the end, but just wanted to get that out there. Uh, mostly what I want to do today is sort of give, for those of you who have never been or haven't been for a while, give an overview. I was here last year and talked a little bit about the new buildings that we had just finished and just dedicated. There's a picture of the Engelstad Shakespeare Theater, named after a great Las Vegas family, the Engelstads, uh, who were grateful that gave the uh, naming gift for that theater. We got everything open. It was an incredible year. Those of you who have opened new properties for business or built a new home know that no matter how much you think you plan and do, something is going to go wrong or it's crazy or it takes more time. We had an adventurous last few years that I'm so grateful that we have survived uh, emotionally and uh, as much as physically. 
uh, and we're into our new spaces and they're open and beautiful. So what I want to talk about today is going to go back to the idea of, um, switch to this side, um, why people come to the Shakespeare Festival. What has brought people like Tom Thomas and Ginger and, and Michael and, and Tom Axtell and others at Brock and Frazier and uh, Nancy Slitzford, and so many of you for so many years beyond the theater itself. So I wanna, what I'll do t mostly today is I'll kind of go through the season, get you excited about the shows that you can see and what's going on, and then I want to talk a little bit about sort of why I think, I was talking to Jerry before he had to run out, but about what brings people back to Cedar City every year and what, uh, what there is to do. So for those of you who don't know, we are a regional theater company. We're a Shakespeare festival. We were founded in 1961 by Fred Adams with, as our mission says, Shakespeare is our cornerstone. So we do Shakespeare plays. Uh, in, a, in various theaters, but we do other theater as well, as you'll see. Um, we produce, at this point in our season, we're producing eight shows and three green shows in what's called repertory, or rotating theater. You've got a place like the Smith Center that comes, and a show comes, and it stays for a while, and then leaves, and another show comes. We don't do theater like that. We are far, far crazier. We open six shows in three or six days, and run them all summer and into the fall long, opening a few others along the way, and then closing a few. So when you're here in August, you will have the opportunity, should you choose to over two days, there are seven different plays you could see in a con over two or three days while you were attending, all open and rotating through uh, our three different theaters. Uh, and, and they're augmented by what we call the festival experience, uh, which is a, lot of other, a bunch of other stuff going on around the plays uh, be, um, in addition to the shows themselves. All this switches over. So there's a... Um, I, yeah, there we go. Uh, I had a video originally slated right here, but we, had, uh, we switched computers, so I'll show you the video at the end. We've done a lot of work if, over the last few years. You know, you open a new property and you get it, you know, version sort of 1.0 is right where you think you want it, but you're never actually done. So we've spent the last 12 months really updating the site and doing even more and getting more food options on site, getting more shade, more trees, a whole bunch of other wonderful things. And we've got a great sort of sizzle video to show you that I'll show you at the end. But on, we're now to the plays themselves. We have three theaters. Our, our main theater is our outdoor Shakespeare theater, uh, sort of patterned after the Globe Theater in London. This year, more than ever, our scenic designer this year really wanted to capture for the shows that we had a real feeling of the Globe. So our, we added actual architectural elements from the old Shakespeare Theater in London to really make our sort of sort of Shakespeare theater, but it has a, some more modern feel, make look even more Shakespearean. And the first show that we have in the space uh, is As You Like It. Shakespeare comedy, uh, the story of a young woman whose uh, father has been banished to uh, the forest and she's going to go find him, sort of a Robin Hood-esque type thing. He's out there with a band of merry men, uh, avoiding his, his brother who's uh, not being uh, particularly nice to him. Uh, and she, uh, to be safe, she's going out there with her cousin. She decides that she's going to dress up like a boy so that nobody uh, bugs her. And she goes out there and meets a young man that she knew in the town who's in love with her but doesn't realize that it's her. And he's leaving love notes all over the forest. And he ends up going to Rosalind, uh, who he thinks is a guy at this point, and says, I'm totally in love with this girl. What should I do? He tells her all about herself. And she's like, well, you know, I, she likes him too. She said, uh, I know, I mean... I can give you some advice. I can give you a few hints or tips that she might like. Uh, and then she proceeds to help him help woo her eventually, even though she's dressed up as his sort of buddy-buddy friend. Uh, and it's a, it's a lot, a lot of fun. Uh, you can see here, this is, I don't know how much you can see there in the back, but there's sort of, we really leaned into the forest elements. And so the, we've dressed the stage up to look like this sort of beautiful, idyllic Sherwood forest type thing. 
um, and there's lots of comedy and dance, and it's very pastoral, and uh, so the, the orig uh, original, folk, original arrangements of folk music, live music on stage, um, as, as a Shakespeare, it's a good introduction to Shakespeare, actually, it's the very first play I ever saw in our outdoor theater in 2002. I saw this, uh, not this production, but a version of this, and it made me absolutely fall in love with seeing Shakespeare outside. Uh, with it, we have uh, the Shakespeare, classic Shakespeare tragedy, Romeo and Juliet. Uh, some of you may have seen that before, either on stage or on film. I'm amazed every year how many people actually haven't. We all sort of know the story. I think we know mostly how it ends. But there are people who, every, every show I do an orientation for, I ask who's seeing it for the first time, and inevitably, hands go up, and it's always across the age spectrum. So if you haven't ever seen Romeo and Juliet, you're not alone. See right there? See? Exactly. It's wonderful that this story that we think we know, uh, we can see, you can see live on stage. Um, and it's particularly interesting this year, very classic Italian, it has a sort of, I mean, if you've seen this Zeffirelli film, um, it's got that, the costumes have that same sort of really Italian classic Renaissance elements, and it feels like a, it feels in some ways a lot like that. It's beautifully done, lots of action, fighting, dance, it's very uh, straightforward, but designed to be paired with um, another show that we, a uh, regional premiere, a show that only three companies in America are allowed to produce right now, us, the Oregon Shakespeare Festival, and the Chicago Shakespeare Theater, and that's the stage adaptation of the film Shakespeare in Love. Who's seen the film Shakespeare in Love with... Ray Fiennes and Gwyneth Paltrow, great. Who's never seen it but thought, maybe it's interesting, and that, but just has never gotten around to seeing it? Excellent, because it's amazing on stage. Um, the adaptation originally premiered in London. It was by, produced by Disney Theatrical. Uh, it then moved across the pond, not to Broadway, but to Stratford, Canada, at the Stratford Shakespeare Festival. And then, as I mentioned, we're only th one of three theaters producing it now, and the only one producing it in an outdoor Shakespearean theater, which the story of the play and the movie is the sort of fictionalized creation of Romeo and Juliet. Uh, Will Shakespeare's this young, sort of working stiff playwright in the 1500s. He's not famous yet. He's had one or two plays that have done okay. But the real playwright in London at the time is Christopher Marlowe, and everybody wants to be like Christopher Marlowe and their friends. There's a picture of him, and this is Shakespeare here, and there's Christopher Marlowe there. Um, and he's work Shakespeare's working on his next big show, Romeo and Ethel, the pirate's daughter. That's the show he's working on. Good, everyone's like, ooh, good title. Uh, and the play, and it, it's just not coming together. The show is, the play, he's missing something. He hasn't found his muse, he hasn't found the story. He meets a young woman uh, at a party, in, for lack of a better word, uh, by the name of Viola de Lesseps, a young woman who's engaged to be married very recently to somebody else. And she is a lover of the theater. She loves his work more than anyone else that he's ever met. She knows his plays. She knows that he's a gifted poet, a gifted playwright. And as they meet and become uh, infatuated with each other, he finds his muse in his play that was originally about Romeo and Ethel, the pirate's daughter, and a bit with a dog and all sorts of funny things begins to morph. As he falls in love, it morphs into what we now know as Romeo and Juliet. But as you know, Romeo and Juliet doesn't end totally happily. And as their love story continues to evolve and she's going to be married to somebody else and the nature of his life and other things going on begin to affect the writing of it as well. So it's this wonderful, romantic, fictionalized storytelling of Romeo and Juliet, and we thought, what better thing to pair it with than Romeo and Juliet? So the shows share some cast members. The woman who plays Viola de Lesseps also plays Juliet in Romeo and Juliet. Uh, Will Shakespeare plays Tybalt. Uh, Christopher Marlowe plays Romeo. And the directors, one of them is artistic director Brian, Brian Vaughn, and the other is a longtime director at the festival, uh, Jim Sullivan, worked together to find moments that connect. And so it's not a one, so if you see them independently, you can enjoy them, each of them. 
But if you see them together, there's one, some fun, wonderful Easter eggs uh, in, well, for lack of a better word, that sort of connect the two together. And it's a lot of fun to see them outside and to see them in such a fashion. So those are our three outdoor plays running until the week after Labor Day, some of which I think I'm sure you're seeing. Uh, and then the uh, moving across the courtyard to our indoor space, uh, mids A Midsummer Night's Dream. Uh, you, again, William Shakespeare, classic Shakespeare comedy. But because we're doing it inside, not on our Elizabethan stage, we wanted to do it a little different. And so our director, Kirsten Brandt, decided that the sort of two worlds of the, of the forest of Athens and the town itself really reminded her of these sort of two worlds at odds with each other and a place coming into its own. And that led her to sort of post-World War I, early 1920s. And so this production has a real sort of Great Gatsby kind of feel. And as you can see, there's, an, there's the, the, the Erte is sort of aesthetic design. That's the forest. There's this beautiful um, st stairway, all of this sort of, all this, you know, custom made for this production, uh, beautiful costumes, and some fun magical elements as well. And as Ginger mentioned, this is the show that my daughter's in. Um, she's four, uh, and she's adorable. But you don't have to see the show for that. I'm just putting a plug in for my adorable four-year-old child who is in a play. Much, uh, I was hoping she'd go into, like, you know, computer engineering or something so she can pay for my... Uh, non-profit retirement at some point in her life, uh, but alas, she's so far in the theater at age four. Uh, it's an incredibly fun production with, you know, lighting and being able to do a show like this inside means that you have a lot of other elements at your disposal to tell a fun Shakespearean story. It's joined with uh, Guys and Dolls, classic American musical, if not the classic American musical. We've never done it at the Shakespeare Festival, which is amazing to me in our 56 years, 30 of which we've, or 25 of which we've been doing musicals. Um, but it's an incredible, if you've seen it live, you know. If you have seen the film, you know. If you haven't, this is the production to see. It's an incredible cast. The music is wonderful. It's great storytelling. Uh, fun fact, there are very few musicals that win the Pulitzer Prize. Lots of musicals win Tony Awards, uh, with the award for theater, but the Pulitzer is a literary award. Um, and Frank Lesser, the man who wrote, one of the people who wrote this, won, uh, won a Pulitzer for How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. Some of you may have seen that. He was supposed to win the Pulitzer for this production. It was nominated in 1951 uh, by the nominating committee, but it was the height of McCarthyism, and one of the other writers allegedly had some theoretical connections uh, and communist ties, and so the, the, the Pulitzer, the, the, the people that received the nominating committee said, well, this, this, is too, this might be too controversial. We don't want to get into this. We don't want the attention. Can you submit another name, another show? And the nominating committee said, no, we're not. This is the one. And so in 1951, there was no Pulitzer Prize for theater given, or for drama given that year because it was supposed to go to Guys and Dolls but didn't. So it's an interesting story, but it also tells you sort of the, the bona fides of a production like this, that it has literary value as well as theatrical and musical value. And it's, uh, this production itself, as you can see, is a lot of fun. The last uh, show in the Randolph during the summer is a, a new adaptation of the Robert Louis Stevenson classic uh, Treasure Island. Uh, the Great Adventure Story. It's fun. It's fast moving. You can see there's, it's, it's bright, colorful. The set's amazing. It's like the sort of two-piece hull of a hollowed-out ship. Um, it's, it's the classic Great Adventure Story. It's fun for the whole family. There's some fun participation stuff down. My colleague and I were just talking about the sword fights are incredible. Uh, the, the fight choreographer who we have this year, uh, by way of, you know, those, those, these are the things that are choreographed. It's one of the great things about being in a Shakespeare theater is you get to dance in Guys and Dolls and you get to dance with swords in a Shakespeare play. Uh, and there's some amazing, wonderful fight choreography uh, there. It's a great, it's a, it's a fun, fabulous production. Uh, it's joined 
by two plays, one of which we're opening this weekend uh, in our small 200-seat Ames Theater, uh, also named for a wonderful Las Vegas family, Alan and Eileen Ames. Uh, the William Shakespeare's Long Lost First Play Abridged. It's the fictional story. Uh, some of you may have seen complete works of William Shakespeare abridged or have heard of it. It's this fun, wacky three-person comedy. The guys who wrote that just wrote this. This is another regional premiere. Uh, it premiered at the Folger Shakespeare Theater in Washington, D.C., and we are the next company to get it since its premiere. Uh, and it's the story, some of you may have remember a couple of years back, there was uh, uh, the, the body of Richard III was found in a parking lot in England, like they were digging up a parking lot and found the bones of the king, Richard III. So riffing off of that idea, at the same time, there was found a thousand-page manuscript of Shakespeare's very first play, and it has all of his characters in it interacting together, and it's ridiculous, and it was too long to do, so they're just doing a cut-down version of it, and you can see the germs of all of Shakespeare's plays coming together, but it, Ariel from The Tempest and, uh, and Puck from Midsummer Night's Dream are scheming together, and Lady Macbeth's fighting with... Uh, to Tanya, it's, it's, it's insane, but it's a lot of very ridiculous fun. Dallin, you attended a dress rehearsal last night, and good times. The only warning I'll say is if you're on the front for you, Rose, I have to give the SeaWorld warning. You may get wet on this ride, which you don't often hear at a Shakespeare festival, um, but be warned if you see William Shakespeare's Long Lost First Player Bridge. Uh, that's opening this weekend, and then in a month we open... One more show, a world premiere uh, by the playwright and filmmaker Neil LeBute, How to Fight Loneliness. Uh, we're very excited. This is a play that's never been done anywhere. It was optioned. To, we, were, we, were we actually thought we were going to lose it in January because it was going to go to Broadway uh, and hasn't yet, so we're happy to have that. How to Fight Loneliness premieres in our small theater. We have The Tavern, which is an adaptation of a George M. Cohan play, uh, a new southern... A, a, an adaptation to the Southwest. We've done, it's a world premiere adaptation that's designed to now take place in southern Utah slash southern Nevada. So there's a lot of wonderful little sort of locality jokes. We've worked with a local historian to sort of inject some local flavor into it, uh, which I think will be a lot of fun. It's about a, storm, a tavern at the turn of, in, a, in the storm of the century in the late 1800s, and a mysterious visitor shows up and sort of chaos ensues, but it's a lot of fun. And then Words Cubed is something I just wanted to mention. It's an, our playwriting, our new play program, where we take uh, new scripts and work with playwrights, not just Shakespeare's not just William Shakespeare, but the up-and-coming Shakespeare's, to find great new work and workshop it within, in, a, in a play reading series. And then one of those scripts in the, in the Words Cube series goes on to be produced the next year in full. So How to Fight Loneliness was workshopped last year, and we're producing it this year. This year we're workshopping a play called Pearls in the House about Pearl Bailey, uh, the great entertainer. She performed for more presidents than anybody else. There's a new musical uh, by a man named Art Menke, who's, uh, we're workshopping it this season and we're producing it in full next season. So even at the Shakespeare Festival, we're not just looking to the past, but looking to make sure that other great theater shows up uh, and, is, and is alive and well. Uh, lastly, I mentioned the festival experience. We're so grateful to, I mean, I, it, it's warm in Cedar City, but it's like minor league warm. You guys do major league warm uh, as I drove down here today. But the, it's, you know, I was talking to Jerry before, I came up and he talked about how his family loved to come up. You know, before the Smith Center, it was hard to find uh, live theater in regularity. And uh, they would come up partly to escape the heat, partly to see the shows, but it just became this family tradition to come and see shows and experience, you know, get away for two hours away. And then they started bringing their family, and now it's become an annual thing for them where they, that's how they celebrate his son in law's birthday, is every September they go up and see shows. And some of you may have similar stories that. That what starts as this thing that you do becomes this sort of family thing 
or this friends, you know, I know, I know so many people that do, they do girls weekends where their husbands go play at the sand dunes or they stay, actually some of them from Utah come down here and they drop their wives and their sisters off at uh, Cedar City to see plays while they come down here and play. But the festival experience, the photo flipped over the words, but there's other things going on. We've got green shows, free entertainment that happens on the lawn. You can see one of them there. Uh, orientation seminars, discussions. We started something new this year called Shakespeare U where we, you can come take a stage combat course from our actors or you can take a Shakespeare text course or do improvisational theater like Whose Line Is It Anyway? But you can do that with our professional festival actors just as part of your visit um, in addition to seeing the shows. So there's more to do there than just sit and watch. There's stuff to engage in and dive in with as well. And that's partly why I think we've thrived for so many years, is this idea that we are there to put on great art, but we're also there for you to come and tell your own stories and build the stories of your families and your friends and, and, and get away and be a part of something different and outside of the, you know, the sort of usual norm. Um, I wanna, this, that my last slide here, this is our, our artistic director, Brian Vaughn. Uh, we had two artistic directors this time last year, David Ivers and Brian Vaughn. David Ivers has left us he uh, was, uh, got a job as the artistic director at the Arizona Theater Company in Tucson, and we wish him very well. He's coming back to direct a show for us this season. But that leaves Brian Vaughn, our uh, wonderful artistic director in charge, as well as a new executive producer who will join us in September, Frank Mack, uh, a brilliant theater manager uh, who's worked in California, he's worked in Kansas City and, and Connecticut, and is, we're so happy to have him with us uh, starting September 1st. So this is our, my basic information. Um, in terms of what the festival is, how to get a hold of us to find us. Uh, there's more than just Twitter, but it all fell off the bottom. And you can see here, if you haven't, that's, that's our outdoor theater, uh, the Engelstad sort of from the inside with Brian on stage. Um, but I want to show this video real quick. And then if, I think I've got time for questions, if anybody has any at all. Oh, is it loud enough? <laughs> Sorry, what? Sorry. Okay, we're going up on, uh, I think, uh, August 25th is the Friday. Um, we have plays available that we can see on Friday night. Uh, I sent out an email yesterday to you that lists all of that. On Saturday, there's a backstage tour in the morning if we'd like to see that. Um, I'll be going, um, and I hope lots of you will join me for that. And then at 3.30, Deb Granda is going to host a uh, hors d'oeuvres and cocktail party, and she's doing the cooking, and it's going to be amazing. Um, and that's $10 a person for that. Uh, also, on Sunday morning, our former member, Nancy Slitz, is hosting a brunch for us up at her cabin. So those if are some fun events. you haven't been to her cabin, strap in. It's pretty great. It's not really a cabin, right? It's, no, that's, that, that cabin implies rustic, and uh, it, it is in the woods. But if you know Nancy, it's much more than, it's much more than that. Cool, so this uh, very short video, just to sort of give you a sense of some of the work we've been doing on site, highlighting the coolness and the, the greenery. 
So I'm so excited so many of you will be joining us uh, later in the month, but, and I hope others can, will consider coming up this year. We run all the way through October 21st in some capacity or another. Uh, some plays close Labor Day weekend, a few more close the week after, and then we have four running all the way through October. Does anyone have any questions about Cedar City, about the festival? Yeah, no problem. I've always been curious how you get the rights to the place to use them. Do you pay money for that, or do they get a piece of the gate, or do you hire the troops in, and they're paying the people for the rights? The Excellent place? question. How do we get the, uh, the, the money? It, it's, uh, it depends. You, most often we work with a royalty company. Most playwrights have ceded uh, management of their plays or works to a royalty company, and we contract with them at a certain rate. Uh, and it, it's, as you say, we play a, pay a flat fee per show, and then there's usually a percentage of the gate that goes to them as well. Um, but, uh, and depending on the show, it can be very expensive, or in the case of Shakespeare, which is in the public domain, it costs nothing. So uh, for uh, Mary Zimmerman, that's a new work. Uh, one of the most expensive shows we've ever done uh, at Les Miserables a few years ago, like, something like 18% of gate had to go straight back to the company. Exactly. But... There's only, it's, it's, it's tough because there's only one show and there's only one royalty company. Other shows are much more manageable, but that's, that's, uh, we don't, you, we hire actors and then they work for us. We don't hire, we don't bring in show, that's, it's not traveling shows like it happens at the Smith Center, but other companies do that as well or do, will do co-pros or co-productions. Good question. Yes. Hi, Josh. Nice to see you again. Thank you. Um, this may be an incredibly stupid question, but I specialize in those. Are... Are the uh, Shakespeare plays in kind of Old English, actual Shakespeare verbiage? I'm glad you asked that. Short answer, yes. We don't necessarily update the language of the Shakespeare plays. Shakespeare in Love is an interesting example because it's a modern play with Shakespeare language in, written in, but it feels like a, a, a more modern play. And Shakespeare, Shakespeare's a funny thing because if you've experienced it first, in, like I did in an English class, perhaps, uh, reading it, it can feel foreign or dense or, 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 or inintelligible, perhaps. And, that's, and, I, and, it's, and I'm glad we study Shakespeare as a literary figure. That's important because he was a great poet and it's great literature. But the thing that we have to remember is that they were plays first. They were designed to be seen on stage by people speaking them to each other, not necessarily read out of a book. And what I loved, and what struck me about the first time I saw a show at the Shakespeare Festival was in the hands of actors on a stage in context, Shakespearean language doesn't necessarily feel old-fashioned because you're just watching two people talk to each other. And sure, there's a heightened language to it, and it takes a few minutes, even for me, for my brain to sort of kick into Shakespeare gear, I call it. But once it does, I mean, Ginger, maybe Ginger, Tom, you can speak to this a little bit too, or those of you who have been before, it doesn't feel old-fashioned. We're not all, you know, not everybody's talking in an English accent, except for in Shakespeare in Love, when they're playing English people, they do talk in an English accent. But for the other plays, it's just standard American, and we're doing the plays as we do them, and it, we hope it just feels like people are talking, and it doesn't feel foreign. But it is Shakespeare's language. It's a, good, it's a great question. I'm glad you asked. What is the weather up there, and how long are the shows on for? Because I can't make that weekend, but I'd love to go up. Good question. The weather there is uh, relatively temperate. I mean, when we left today, it was 70 degrees. We get, some days we get up into the 90s, but we usually cap out around 100 unless it's some crazy heat wave. Um, evenings get, start to get cool starting middle of August. Um, we usually recommend a light jacket in the outdoor shows, especially once you get into Labor Day weekend. But um, 
Guys and Dolls and Treasure Island run until uh, Labor Day weekend, first week of September. The three outdoor shows run until the, week at, the weekend after. They run all the way through the first week of September. And then Midsummer Night's Dream, The Tavern, How to Fight Loneliness, and Long Lost First Play run until the end of October. So in some form or another, some configuration of the plays can be seen all the way through towards the end of October. Um, we get rain occasionally. Monsoon season hits us just like it hits you um, in the, into, into August. But nine out of ten days, the rains, it's, it's, it's that line in Camelot. It rains for four hours in the evening and then it's done. That's the rule. That's kind of how it is in Cedar City. We'll get afternoon rainstorms and then usually by the evening it's all cleared out. Or we'll get morning rainstorms and then it's all done for the day. So it's, it's warm but relatively cool. <laughs> Nine, yeah, 95. Who thinks of 95 as cool? Well, the answer is Las Vegas. You think of 95 as cool. One last question. Anything? Thank you all very much. We'll see you in Cedar City. As is our tradition, we donate a pair of sho shoes and socks to a needy child in your name. So thank, thank you for coming. Thanks. Um, one important question. Who has the green book and the cards? Um, if you have not signed the cards, we would like to mail them to Ty and, and Irwin. So please sign them, take them to Sean, and then you can sign them up front if you haven't signed them yet. Last thing, we have some brochures and other information if you're interested. We don't want to pass them out of the table. We know you guys get inundated with a lot of stuff. But we have some stuff here if you want more information. Uh, we're happy to stick around for a minute and hand those out. So feel free to ask. Okay, and then you know, Rotary is like tennis. The one who serves best usually wins. Now go forth and make a difference. Thank you for joining us for another wonderful meeting of the Rotary Club of Las Vegas. If you're interested in membership or want to know more about our upcoming projects and speakers, please visit lasvegasrotary.com for more information. Now go forth and make a difference. <laughs>